3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, many in California's nail salon industry are struggling. Nearly 90% of nail salon owners say they don't have enough customers to meet their expenses, and most salon workers say they're now taking home less than $400 a week, barely enough to cover food and rent. We look at the challenges unique to this sector that are making it hard for workers and owners to deal with the pandemic's second year, as well as the financial and emotional toll it's taking. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Nail salons, like many businesses, were upended by COVID-19 and California's shelter-in-place order in March of 2020. After salons were allowed to reopen, they were forced to close again as cases surged. The cycle of openings and closings took a massive financial and emotional toll on workers and owners, say researchers at UCLA's Labor Center and the California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative. Even after reopening in early 2021, many in the industry, which employs some 100,000 licensed manicurists in the state, say they're still really struggling. In this hour, we learn why. Joining us is Jung Nguyen, organizing manager at California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative. Yun, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Hi Mia, thanks for having me. Also with us is
3: Lucero E. Herrera, senior research analyst at UCLA Labor Center, Lucera Herrera, glad to have you on with us as well.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, Lucera, let me
3: start with you. If you could just give us a sense of the industry, even before the pandemic hit, you've talked about how the challenges that workers and owners were navigating existed well before COVID-19. Talk about the sector in terms of it being a lot of small businesses, it sounds like, which don't employ a large number of people, say 10 or less.
2: Yes, that's correct. Uh, We estimate that about 90% of salons have less than 10 employees and they usually hire uh, locally from the communities, right? So they play a huge role in our local economies. Uh, The industry in general in California is uh, about half Half of the nail salons are in California, in Texas, and Florida, and New York. Wow.
5: Uh,
2: I think for the workforce, some of the statistics are likely undercounting how many manicurists exist. Uh, for example, uh, census data, like the Bureau of Labor Statistics, estimate that there's about 120,000 manicurists in the U.S., but in California alone, the state board that's charged with licensing manicurists estimates that there's 100,000 manicurists in the state.
3: Wow, so and talk about what life is like for workers. Like many service jobs, it's wage work. Can you talk about what the average wage is for a nail salon worker?
2: Yes, this is a sector that is very um, it has a high concentration of low wage workers. We estimate that about 78% earn low wages. Uh, there's also other issues that nail salon workers experience such as wage theft. So we're talking about not receiving minimum wage, uh, not being paid over time and not receiving Mm -hmm. mailing breaks. Uh, There's also some huge issues around health and safety. Uh, The salon workers are at higher risk for many different short and long-term health conditions that arise mainly from being exposed to dangerous chemicals. And then there's also other labor issues uh, such as misclassification. Uh, A lot of the workers are... True employees, and need to be, you know, afforded all the protections that the law offers, uh, W-2 workers. Uh, but many of them are classified as independent contractors, so they're not being paid minimum wage. They're not being afforded things like sick leave or um, access to a workers' compensation.
3: You're, you've talked about how nail salon workers are sometimes paid a flat rate, not an hourly rate. Can you talk about this? Why is that?
2: Uh, yes, that's like a common practice. Oh.
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, go right ahead, Lucero, if you want to finish, and then Noon, if you wanted to add any more detail.
2: Yeah, I was going to say uh, it's it's a common practice to have uh, own, uh, employers pay workers a flat rate of fifty seventy dollars per day, which, when you take into account the hours, that comes to like less than minimum wage.
3: And Noon, did you want to add anything to that? Just in terms of why that situation is the case in some workplaces.
4: That was just how, um, like, when the industry, you know, like, first started, when, like, Vinny's uh, folks just first started working in the industry, that was, like, one of the reasons, like, the ways that folks were paid. Um, and, and yeah, and, and it just, you know, as workers then opened their own salons, they they just kind of, like, kept that same cycle and continued um, that um, that way of paying their their workers.
3: And it sounds like, as Lucetta was saying, that their there are few benefits and i'm assuming overtime is not commonly compensated as well yun
4: yes that's correct
3: so complicating the issue as lucetta pointed out is that a percentage of workers are classified as independent contractors who's determining that classification how do california's current independent contractor rules how are they affecting nail salon workers yun
4: um so for in California, um, right now, you know, with, um, there was a, a passage of a Assembly Bill 5, which technically um, there's like now an independent contractors test that um, folks have to take, like to do in order if that person can be classified, still be classified as an independent contractor. And one of the requirements is that the independent contractor who is classified cannot technically be providing the same services where they are classified as independent contractor. And so, you know, most folks who are classified as independent contractors in nail salons are providing the same services. And so technically they are now supposed to be um, classified as employees, which most of them are now classified as employees um, since the beginning of um, last year. However, um, they are classified as employees on paper, but, they are still being treated as independent contractors, where they're not, you know, being given like meal rest breaks. Um, they are either being paid um, a flat rate daily or um, by um, commission. So another popular way of getting paid in the nail salon industry is a 60-40 split where the employee gets to keep 60% of the cost of the services and then 40% goes to the the nail salon owner. And then Mm -hmm. the employee um, should also be able to keep their tips. But again, at the end of the day, um, for the most part that doesn't add up, it doesn't equate to minimum wage. Um, And then now with the pandemic and with there being a a decrease in business, if folks are getting paid that way, if they're going into work and there aren't any customers coming in, they leave with zero dollars.
3: I see. Interesting. You're describing uh, a situation where a lot of workers are are basically living close to the edge financially. And we have a nail sal- salon worker on the line with us, Ivy Nguyen, who is a nail salon worker in Santa Ana. Ivy, thanks so much for coming on.
6: You're welcome.
3: Um What was your experience when shelter-in-place orders came down in March of 2020?
4: Hi, cô Gia, con không. Nghe, con nghe. Biểu uh, Min hỏi cô cái gì không? Con là dịch đen. À, uh, thì Min hỏi cô là từ lúc mà uh, tháng ba vừa rồi mà mình phải đóng cửa đó, uh, cái đó nó ảnh hưởng cái cuộc sống của cô như sao?
6: Nên, nên, nên từ tháng ba đóng cửa tới giờ là.
4: Um, she said that since the initial stay-at-home order um, in California in March of last year, um, she has she's been unemployed since then.
3: How long has IB worked in the industry before that happened? And thanks, Jun, for translating.
4: Uh,
6: over
4: thirty years.
3: Why has it been hard for Ivy to find work? That's a long time to be out of work.
4: Yeah. Um. Rồi bây giờ đó tại um cô có nói là cô có um muốn kiếm việc làm đó mà cô nói là nó khó đó. Um, tại sao bây giờ là nhưng mà cô muốn kiếm việc làm nó khó cho cô?
6: Là tại vì khi mà cái dịch đó cô bắt đầu ngà hai năm hai nghìn hai là bắt đầu cô ở nhà bà đóng cửa hết, rồi sau đó họ mở lại, nhưng mà tại vì nó không có xua sure lắm, nó không có chắc chắn lắm cho nên cô phải mấy xua, sure nó ok, tôi cô mới đi làm, nhưng mà khi cái đợt đầu tiên mở thì khoảng chừng tháng thì lại cái người ta lại đóng lại, cho nên cô lại tiếp tục ở nhà nữa, rồi bây giờ khi người ta thật sự người ta đã mở lại rồi á, thì bắt đầu cô đi xin việc làm á thì Gọi phone thì người ta nói là ô, tại vì mở thì phải mở thôi. Chứ còn thay vì nhân viên của người ta ngày xưa là sử dụ giống như 10 người đi. Mà giờ ta mở lại chỉ có năm người hay là sáu người vô làm thôi. Còn không có đủ khách để cho nhân viên làm. Thì làm sao cô gọi vô mà người ta nhận được. Với nhiều tiệm gọi vô người ta nói ô, để cho số phone đi người ta gọi lại. Chứ rồi người ta hỏi bao nhiêu tuổi okay
4: That. yeah hmm. um yeah so you know like me you shared um earlier that in california there's been a roller coaster of reopenings and reclosings and so um when a salon when salons were you know, deemed to reopen um ivy would start looking for a job and then say, oh salons have to reclose and so then she would stop and then so that went on for a little bit and then since the end of january of this year you know salons have been open since then um and She has um, continued to look for a job, um, especially within the past couple of months, but she's been having, experiencing challenges. Um, Either, you know, the the salon owner saying, um, you can't come in and like sit here and like work. However, business isn't great. And so you might not make money. Um, And or they will um, ask her, oh, um, how old are you? And if she, and when she shares with them her age, um, they will say, oh, like we'll call you back or like thanks for your interest. And um, we'll let you know if there's an opening um, and they don't ever uh, call her. And so she's thinking it's because she's older in age and so um, experiencing ageism. Um, and, and so it's been difficult for her to find a job um, because of how she feels right now. It's because of one, um, the decrease in business and then two, her age.
3: We're talking with Ive Nguyen, a nail salon worker in Santa Ana, translating for her's Jun Nguyen, an organizing member of the California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative, translating in Vietnamese. Also with with us is Lucero I. Herrera, a senior research analyst for UCLA's Labor Center. We're talking about California's nail salon industry and the challenges that workers and salon owners are facing because of the pandemic. And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. What questions do you have about California's nail salon industry? Have you worked in the industry? Do you get your nails done at a salon? Have you been back since the pandemic? Give us a call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us, forum at kqed.org. We'll have more with our guests and a little bit more with Ivy Nguyen right after the break. Stay with us. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Many industries are struggling to stay afloat from the effects of COVID-19. And today we're taking a closer look at the challenges facing the nail salon industry that employs more than 100,000 workers in California. And joining us is worker Ivy Nguyen, a nail salon worker in Santa Ana. And Ivy, just before the break, you were talking about some of your experiences. Um, I'm wondering if... You could tell us what your experience was like trying to get unemployment benefits or navigating government support. And thanks again to uh, Yun Nguyen for translating.
4: Hi, Haico goodbye. Uh, um going back on home. Okay. Um cô Min hỏi cô á là tại um con nghỉ làm đó thì cô xin tiền thất nghiệp thì uh, cô Min muốn biết á là khi um khi lúc mà cô xin tiền thất nghiệp á, um, nó sao tại nó có khó cho cô xin không hoặc là cô được cái tiền liền?
6: Um, cô có chờ nhưng mà tại, có thể là tại vì lúc đó nhiều người quá rồi có
4: chờ thôi nhưng mà khi họ cho thì nó họ vẫn cho đầy đủ. mà lúc mà um, cô xin đấy nó tại nhớ không cô chia sẻ với con là cô phải đợi một cái thời gian á, cô phải tại Đúng nó rồi. nói là cô phải đợi mấy cái tờ t- giấy á
6: đúng rồi cô đó thì uh, mới ban đầu xin đó thì cũng phải uh, làm nhiều giấy thủ tục giấy tờ rồi uh, nhiều khi um, nó uh, người ta có mà cô không có thì bắt đầu mình cầm lên uh, mình uh, email lên mình uh, gửi giấy tờ lên mình cầm lên nhưng mà sau đó thì họ lại những trời, suốt mau mấy tháng họ không chờ cho mình thì sau đó họ có gửi nhưng mà nó cũng khó khăn á
4: Yeah um, so I be sure that um, after, um, salons were initially closed in March, she, uh, she waited like a month or two before she decided to apply for unemployment. Cause she didn't think that the snail salons would be closed for that long. And she didn't want to go through the hassle of having to apply for unemployment. And when she saw, you know, um, and as the time dragged on, she realized, oh, I should apply. And, um, she was already seeing, um, like her fellow, you know, co-workers and like family and friends the right? she get their unemployment and so she applied and there was like some issues where she had to send in more information um to to get her unemployment and she did that and even then there was a really long like um time between that and so she right. had to have her daughter um consistently email them or call them and but when you call them at that time there was it was like nearly impossible to get through. Um, And so the best way was to be through email, but even that it took a while. Um, And eventually she was able to get her unemployment, but this was, you know, months and months later on down the line. So she was already struggling financially um, before she was able to actually receive her unemployment.
3: Ivy, you've mentioned that you noticed businesses starting to close or business starting to slow down as early as December, 2019 when word of the virus started to emerge. Why do you think that is?
4: Cô Thank God you. Cô có sẻ với con là um, trước khi mà tiệm đóng tháng 3 năm ngoái đó là um, tiệm nó sẽ ế rồi. Nó đã ế từ lúc mà tháng Được. 1 đến lúc tháng 3. Được. Là cô nghĩ cái lý do tại sao? Cô...
6: Nhiều khi cô nghĩ trước đó, trước khi mà đại dịch thì cũng đã vắng rồi đó. Thì cô nghĩ nhiều khi cuộc sống người ta, người người ta cũng, kinh tế cũng khó khăn á. Cho nên người ta, người khách người ta ít có đi, người ta xài tiền, người ta cũng limit lại. Cho nên cũng đã vắng rồi, rồi khi mà đại dịch nó còn khổ hơn nữa, nó còn tệ hơn nữa rồi bây giờ đã vậy rồi thêm bây giờ nó là cái chuyện mà um, tiền xăng này nọ đổ tất cả vật chất rồi nó lên giá leo thang rồi xăng nhót rồi này rồi nó lên giá nữa cho nên lại khổ luôn <cười> cho nên bây giờ là khổ
4: lắm luôn á yeah um, so Ivy had shared that um, it was you know after the holidays and so she was thinking that maybe because you know folks had spent a lot of money during the holidays and so that so which is why you know, like folks weren't going out to get um like their nails done um and then also um the uh, covid was um discovered in china in december 2019 and so that might have had something to do with the two um just because nail salons are um primarily in California, um, Asian-owned business and, and typically um, Asian uh, workers. And and then, and so she, and she was just saying that it's kind of like a domino effect where, um, you know, prior to the initial shutdown, um, salons were experiencing like slow business and layoffs. Um, and then salons were deemed to, you know, close and then reopen and close again. And then now with um, salons having been open since January, business has still been, much lower than usual. Um, and she's alluding that to it's, you know, probably because just the economy right now, um, with the pandemic, you know, folks are, a lot of folks are struggling financially. And so they are more conscientious of how they spend their money. And then just with like inflation, the, you know, it, the rise in costs and like groceries, gas, and all that, um, it's creating, um, and so for folks, they're cutting out, um, you know, getting their nails done, which before was like, an in a, a luxury that they can afford which just now um a lot of folks can't.
3: Well, Ivy, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us and and I hope things are looking up.
4: Uh go I go me um like a um you're
6: welcome.
3: I was Ivy Nguyen, a nail salon worker in Santa Ana. You know, one of the things that I was really struck by you is that your report with Lucera Herrera really does show that a lot of workers found it really hard to find other work once salons closed. I think there was a stat at like up to 90% of workers really struggled. Why is that? Yun?
4: I think, um, for the most part, folks who have, who work in the nail salon industry, um, this is all their, this is all they know for a lot of them. This is like their only job, their only occupation. And, um, and so, you know, like Ivy, they've been in this industry for so long, you know, decades. And and especially if they are around Ivy's age, um, like, you know, 50 and above, it's hard for them to, to switch careers, like to switch gears and and to obtain a new skill. And then also they're experiencing ageism, even though it's not, even though the, the person hiring isn't blatantly telling them it's because of their age, um, they know it's because of their age. Um, and and so it's just, and also the the language barrier, um, you know, a lot of folks working in the Nelson industry are Vietnamese, um, are monolingual or limited English proficient. And so they also have to have that, um, be able to, you know, be able to speak and understand English. And, um, and we've had, you know, workers who are older, um, who have, you know, applied for, who have tried to apply for other jobs just because they're think they're saying that it's you know nearly impossible for them to get back to the nails industry now. so they just need to find something in order to have income um but for some jobs like for instance you know retail right now with the holiday season um they the the employers are you know asking oh can you lift like 25 25 uh, like at least like, 20 pounds and above and for those folks it's they either um they they can but then they shouldn't because of their age and so that Immediately eliminates them from the, the job pool, and yeah, it's just been difficult for folks to to find employment, unfortunately.
3: Lucero Herrera, for workers who have returned to the salons, many have reported that they're making far less than they did before the pandemic. Can you give us a sense of of how much of a drop and how many people are reporting this from your from your study?
2: Uh, we conducted another study in early twenty twenty. Right after the shutdown happened, we wanted to assess the initial impact of the pandemic. And we had asked folks if they can report the income uh, for the last week that they worked before the closures. We found that about 45% of the workers were earning less than $400 per week. And in this new study, that number has increased to almost 86%. So what we're finding is that 86% of the workers are now earning less than $400 per week, a dramatic mm-hmm. a dramatic change.
3: We're talking with Lucero E. Herrera, Senior Research Analyst at UCLA Labor Center. Nguyen Nguyen is with us, an Organizing Manager at California Healthy Nail, Salon collaborative. We're talking about California's nail salon industry, the challenges that workers and salon owners are facing because of the pandemic, and why it's struggling to recover. You can join the conversation with your questions about the nail salon industry, whether or not you yourself have changed your habits with regard to with regard to getting your nails done. And if you work in another service industry or are a small business owner, are these experiences resonating? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us forum at kqed.org. Jody writes, please remember that the same issues and concerns apply to other sole proprietors, independent contractors, employees, and small business owners, such as skincare salons, personal trainers, fitness class instructors, and many more. Some were able to move their classes outdoors, but many were 100% out of work and had no income beyond pandemic assistance. Along the line now, on the line now, we have Tina Bui, owner of Tina's Nails in San Rafael. Tina, thanks so much for joining us.
7: My pleasure.
3: I wanted to ask you what happened for you after salons were ordered closed in Marin County last spring. What was going through your mind at that time?
7: Kind of worried, scary, and nervous because we—I didn't know when it's gonna be—we all open legally, reopen. So, uh, beginning, I almost give up my place because you know. I still have to pay for the full rent to keep my place going. And when you didn't even know when you can be open again. So very worried, nervous, and uh, didn't know what happened.
3: (laughs) Yeah. How did you manage financially?
7: Financially at the beginning, very difficult. After four months of five months, I almost give up my uh, place, you know, even though it's small, but I have to pay monthly to keep my place going. At that time, nobody knows what's gonna happen. So, but I still want to keep my place because I've been in this location for 20 years. So I don't want to give it up because mm. you don't know when you thought like gonna be. Oh, maybe next month, next month, and next month. But after three or four months, I want to give up this place. You know, I want to call. I did call the owner and say, you know, nobody knows uh, when we're we gonna be reopened, and I cannot afford not to pay, uh, pay rent every month without making any income. And at that time, none of the government, you know, who have W two, you can go apply for unemployment money. But I was self employee. I applied for that, and they didn't give me anything because I was not eligible at the moment. You know, for EDD. Did
3: and your landlord I didn't have any. Em- yeah. Did your landlord yes, help you? Sorry. Were they understanding?
7: Yes, you know that's why I was going to to that point. You know, like after four months, so I didn't get any money. I tried. EDD, nothing happened. So I call my landlord. I said, you know, I need help because I I, uh, didn't make any income for months. So I need help to keep this place because I like uh, my landlord and I like this location. I don't want to give it up. So let's help me. So they very uh, nice. At the beginning, they helped like 30% off from whatever I was paying. And then after a few months, I asked for more because you know, we close over a year so up to other uh, 3 or 4 uh, 6 months 7 months total so the landlord um uh gave me a better discount like a, a half off
3: hmm. have your yeah. clients so, come back are you seeing the same level of clientele as pre pandemic days now
7: you know i work in marine county and you know marine county right women they I take do. very good care of themselves so very different from the other county because I work here 26 years of my whole career. So um, now half of the uh, customers coming back. Half. Because most of them are more mature because my ladies, they don't want to hear older or old words. You know, they don't like it. They said, if you say old work, you don't get any tips. So some of them right here right now. So I have to say more mature ladies uh you know, they when they're uh, they, uh, more mature, they have more problem because they're over 70, 80 years old. So they have uh, some problems. So they're afraid to... Uh, still, half of them haven't come back yet because they don't want to close uh, in the public yet because they me? from uh, one to the other viruses, you know, like right now they hear about very ends and blah, blah, blah. So they're not ready to come back yet. Plus, yes, you know, that's No vacation, true. no tours, no no cruise, no nothing, and I didn't have their nails and feet done for over a year, almost two years. So they're they off track, you know what I mean?
3: Sure, uh, but yes, as you're saying, there's some nervousness about indoor close contact, especially with the virus, and especially I, if you are older. Have you had to reduce your staff, Tina?
7: You know, um, I never have employees. i always work in by myself. I have partners, you know, in my shop. I have partners to share the rent with me. But I never have employee like really working for me. I never have one. I don't like it. I don't. I don't. I never uh, want to be a boss. You know, <laughs> it's so hard yeah. to be a boss. Yeah. How are How so are you partner.
3: doing nowadays? How are you feeling, sort of emotionally and and financially these days?
7: Of course, you know my financially now I make only half compared with before the pandemic. But what can you do? You know, what can you do? I love my job. I love my uh, my customers. Not only my customers. You know, most of my... I've been doing their nails for 20 years and over. So they are like my godmother, my friends, my uh, mother-in-law. They are my everybody. You know, so it's hard to quit that. Yeah. I miss my uh, people, my money, and everything. But what can you do?
3: Look at the whole country. So... Yeah, we're all trying to survive. Well, Tina, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences with us. Thank you. Yeah,
7: you're welcome. Thank you.
3: Tina Bowie is owner of Tina's Nails in San Rafael, and we're talking with nail salon owners and workers about the struggles to recover as the pandemic continues through this second year. We're also talking with Yun Nguyen, organizing manager of the California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative, and Lucero E. Herrera, a senior research analyst at UCLA's Labor Center. And this listener writes, during the pandemic, I searched out a local manicurist who was doing at-home With COVID protocols, I've missed a month or so, and I just contacted them, and am making appointments myself and a friend for a gift. Lucero, one of the things that Tina described is a very competitive environment, and your report has highlighted how margins are very thin at salons. Equipment is expensive. Rents in California are high. You also noted that it's challenging to raise prices. Can you talk about why that is?
2: Yes, precisely uh, because of what you said, the competition in the sector is fierce. And um, I think especially now that customers have been slow to come back to the salons, owners are really afraid of raising the prices to be able to cover the additional expenses just because they don't want to lose those customers. So that puts them in a very precarious situation when they need to start, um, you know, factoring in Additional expenses such as providing PPE for the workers, uh, installing modifications to the salons to make them safer, such as like plexiglass or improve the ventilations. Those are things that are now added to uh, the expenses of running a nail salon. However, like I mentioned earlier, like owners might be more reticent to increasing prices just because they don't want to lose a few customers that they now have.
3: If you are somebody who works in the nail salon industry, what has your experience been like? If you work in another service industry, are there experiences resonating with you? You can call us 866-733-6786 is the number. 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us forum at kqed.org. A new study from UCLA's Labor Center came out talking about how nail salons are recovering from the pandemic and finding some shocking stats. Only 14% of owners are confident they can cover business expenses over the next month, and a large majority of workers, more than 80%, reported reduction in earnings. We'll hear for more after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Many nail salons have struggled to recover from the most acute phases of the pandemic when closures were common. And this hour, we're looking at why the industry is finding it hard to bounce back and the toll it's taking. We're joined by Lucero E. Herrera, Senior Research Analyst at UCLA Labor Center. Nguyen, Organizing Manager for the California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative. We heard earlier from Ivy Nguyen, a nail salon worker in Santa Ana, and T- Tina Bui, an owner of Tina's Nail Salon, at uh, Tina's Nails in San Rafael. Joining us now is Leanne Trung, owner of Leanne's Nails in Alameda. Leanne, welcome to the program. Hi. So glad to have you on with us. And Leanne, wanted to ask you about your experience when salon closures took effect beginning in March of 2020. I hear you used to work seven days a week before the pandemic, then the shutdown. What happened? What was that like for you?
8: Hi, my name is Leanne Truong. You know, I had a business in Alameda for almost 30 years, and I'm the owner. I work in here for seven days a week. It's very, very, very hard for me for the pandemic because the COVID is very new. And I stay home, no no money, but I had to pay the rent, the insurance, kind
3: of the same. And -hmm. you're open again now? Yes, I am. But things are not back to normal, it sounds like. Why not? Not all your clients have returned? No, not
8: really. Because, you know, stay home for over a year. The elder people, they're scared for the COVID. They mm-hmm. don't want to get the nail done. And most of my customers work at home, and they don't go to the office. They don't want to show the nail for everything. That's why
3: it's, business is very hard for us right now. It sounds similar to some of what Tina Bui was describing. Also, do you have enough workers to meet their needs? I've understand that you've also struggled to hire some nail workers back.
8: Yes, it's very hard for me right now because the worker don't want to go back to work. They stay home for one year, they're scared for COVID. They don't want to touch the people hand by hand And that's why they'd rather to work another job.
3: Well, Jesse, this listener, writes, there's a nail salon on the corner of where I live. While most non-essential businesses were closed due to COVID-19, once they opened, it was weeks before I could book an appointment. They, like the gym where I work, lost 50% of their workforce, but have been able to keep afloat, fortunately not having to close their doors permanently. Yunuen, I wanted to ask you about this. In terms of workers who do not want to come back to the salons, what are the reasons that you are hearing most often?
4: Like what um, Tina and Leanne have shared is that they are afraid of being exposed to to COVID nineteen, and you know in in California in um, like so I work with a lot of folks in Orange County and in in LA County and in Orange County um, the mask mandate was lifted when California like the common book reopened on June fifteenth and it was never reinstated um, even indoors. Um, and and so for the folks who work in Orange County, the workers are—they wear masks, they wear gloves, they are um, taking the necessary precautions. However, their 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 clientele is not wearing masks for the most part. Um, and and yeah, and so it's just you know for them it's being exposed to COVID nineteen, and then if they are also older and immunocompromised, or they have young children who cannot be vaccinated yet, or Take or they take care of their elderly parents, um, for them, it's just not worth that risk. And so they are choosing to either retire early or looking for work elsewhere.
3: Interactions with clientele. You do dedicate a section to the report, you knew into anti Asian racism. How much of that has been a factor in workers reluctant to return?
4: That has, um, it does play, um, a role in their decision as well, um, but I, I would say that it's not as high the concern as um, the exposure um, to COVID nineteen. Um, but you know, but workers have experienced that um, not just in the workplace, but you know, also in, like their day to day life, going to the grocery store. Um, if they live in, for instance, you know, in Little Saigon here in Westminster, um, they'll have they'll they'll be like racial messages, like tags, like on a wall in their neighborhood. Um, And so folks are experiencing that too, but it's, but again, it's, it's just not at the workplace, it's everywhere. And so even if they do, you know, even if they don't go to work, they're still experiencing that, um, that anti-Asian racism.
3: Leanne Truong, you mentioned that you went to Vietnam for two months, um, not that long ago. What experience, what did you experience while you were there?
8: I did not go to Vietnam at all for during the time. Oh, I I'm to sorry. To yes. uh-huh.
3: I, I think I, I misunderstood when you were mentioning that you were a high school teacher in Vietnam and went home for two months. But you mean just when you were home for two months without without being no, able I to didn't. work. That's what you meant, not no, going back not. to Vietnam.
8: I, I, I did not. I did not go to Vietnam. Yeah. I've been here for almost 33 years. I just went to Vietnam one time about three years
3: ago. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that two-month period um, when you were unable to work? You mentioned that you went to a doctor. Why did you go to the doctor at that time? Okay, it's so sad
8: for the pandemic You know, because they just told me about down for two weeks and I just think about for two weeks and after that, I shut down for one year. First, I got upset. I don't talk that much. I don't know. I don't talk. But my family saw me act different. They contact with the doctor. And after that, for the Zoom family meeting, the doctor told me about I'm OK, but I just depression. I need to take medication and work out. And uh, I didn't know I had a problem like this. And I accepting that and follow the doctor, I get better. I know why I have that. Because I don't have a job. I work seven days a week. I miss my job, miss talking with customers, and overhead for that. I need to worry how I can pay the rent for the landlord.
3: Yes. I'm glad to hear talking to the doctor was helpful. And I really appreciate you sharing the degree of the emotional toll that this had on you and also just used to being with clients and and socializing. And on the other side of this, this listener, Sarah, writes, before the pandemic, I got my nails done every three weeks at a salon in Orinda. I absolutely loved it there and felt very dedicated to the workers. When the pandemic hit, I thought of them often. My nail tech, Jenny, was also pregnant at the time. However, I am high risk and I cannot take any risks as the virus constantly evolves. I still think of Jenny in Orinda and I wish I could go back. They helped my self-esteem, which could use a boost right now. I miss being able to give myself that self-care. Let me go to caller Monica in Oakland. Hi, Monica. Hello. Hi, what would you like to share?
9: Well, I'm not Asian, but I also have a shop, but it's not nails. I have a beauty shop, and I also have been affected. I didn't apply for the EDD too late because I tried to get other jobs to supplement my income and my landlord, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't even like help out. He even raised my rent and I have, um, really expensive rent and, um, the clients reached out to me, but unfortunately at the time, um, I didn't get to cut anybody's hair and I suffered. I tried all kinds of other jobs and I'm suffering now. Only 20% of my clients came back and I have no help. EDD, didn't help me. I applied at the last minute, September, and um, they gave me a response that I only get one dollar.
3: Monica, I'm sorry. So I, to need, hear
9: that. I need help.
3: Yes, th- thank you for sharing your experience. And um, Lucero Herrera, I'm sure there are a lot of parallels with so many industries, service industries, care industries, to the situation for for Nell salon workers, what are some others that you have encountered?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, all the service sectors have been heavily impacted. Uh, we can think about, you know, like small restaurants, we can think about fast food workers, we can think about janitorial workers, uh, like the direct care workforce also. And all of the sectors also have all these other issues that predated the pandemic, right? Like they were already Um, you know, earning low wages, they were having some labor issues, wage theft, misclassification. So what this pandemic has really highlighted is the vulnerability of all of these workers. And what we have to think now that we are reopening, that vaccination is underway, is how to best protect those workers that are the most vulnerable, Uh, not only to ensure the health and safety, but also to bring back these industries uh, with, uh, you know, with a recovery that is just and that is equitable.
3: And can you give a couple more examples of how to ensure a better future for these kinds of industries and for this industry, in particular, the nail salon industry? Lucero, Edera.
2: Yes, particularly for the healthy nail, for the, for the nail salon industry, where we see a large proportion of the workforce being Vietnamese, and many are monolingual, monolingual Vietnamese speakers is to have all of these resources available in language and that are culturally appropriate. Uh, so what we really want to see is that these workers are receiving uh, information that they're receiving the support. And also for the owners, you know, like what we found in our research is that many were having a lot of um, trouble accessing resources, accessing information, not being able to, you know, get technical assistance or support. Um, So we think that this is an area that is undersourced and could use more investment. Um, We also want to make sure that, you know, Workers and owners can access PPE, can access uh, COVID 19 testing in time, um, and to ensure really the health and safety of the workers.
3: We're talking with Lucero Herrera, Senior Research Analyst at UCLA Labor Center, Yun Organizing Manager for California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative, Leanne Trong, owner of Leanne Nails in Alameda. And you, our listeners, are with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Christina writes, I used to get a pedicure every three weeks. I miss Nancy and the vibe of the spa where my nails were done. But I started doing my own nails and found that I enjoy the process at home. I don't know if I'll ever go back. Let me go to caller Jim in San Francisco. Hi, Jim.
10: Hello. Yes, thanks for getting me on. Um, Just what a wonderful program. And I'm so heartbroken to hear these. I mean, financial services, banking specifically, and, you know, I was part of a team. We launched the triple P loans, and Mm -hmm. now I'm just self-reflecting and realizing that we may have forgotten or even failed, you know, the segment of our industry and our population, right? Because I'm hearing stories about how they apply for EDD and didn't get it and how they work with their landlords. Um, And unfortunately we had, you know, big companies and, you know, apply for the triple P ultimately got it, but you know, did we fail to really take care of the you know, of the engine of our local economies here? So it's just more of a self reflection and a big question at large, you know, did we not market the triple P enough, you know, to those that needed it needed it the most?
3: Well, Jim, thanks for that reflection. And Lian Trung, let me go to you on that. Did you try for a PPP loan and what was that experience like for you?
8: Uh, I asked another loan, they call EIDL. You know, the interest care is kind of high, but I should have it because you cover for my rent. And I had a PPP loan, but not that enough for me. <laughs>
3: And Yunnan, you you found that a lot of owners who did apply found that it really wasn't enough to cover their expenses when they did finally get a loan, right?
4: Yes, that's correct. And so, um, like Leanne, they had to apply for other um, loans to help supplement.
3: And Leanne, what would help you most right now? What do you think... Are the, the policies or the practices or products that could help you the most as a business owner?
8: You know, it's very hard for me because for one year over year we don't have a job and all the product in my shop cannot die, cannot use it. I should be replace for everything, but it's very expensive.
3: Well, you're saying you had to replace your your product, like your your nail polish, nail polish and so
8: polish. on? Yes.
3: Mhm. Oh, that must have been difficult.
8: Yes. And it's very hard for me right now. We just take appointment only, no walking. And we follow the guideline for California, but customer make appointment, sometimes they didn't show up. And that's why it's very hard for us. Look like this morning they had make appointment for five people, but they didn't call, they didn't show up for this morning too. Mhm.
3: Leanne, you've shared before that sometimes you don't feel safe at work. Why not? Yes. You know what?
8: It's very hard for us, most of, many kids, the Asian. And for that time, they had an the Asian head. And we kind of scare. They look at us with different way.
3: Leanne Trung, owner of Leanne's Nails in Alameda. You know, and what did you hear from owners and workers saying? What would help them most?
4: I'm um, similar to what Lucera has shared earlier. Um, it would be, you know, um, these resources that are being provided, like, for instance, um, the PPP loans, uh, rent relief, um, that they need to be, you know publicized to the communities who need it the most. And usually that those are communities that don't have access to internet are monolingual. Um, and so you need to go to them directly. So whether it be like working with community-based organizations that work with those communities and they trust them, like for instance, the collaborative. Um, and yeah, and, and so it's, and so uh, because it's not being done that way. Unfortunately, the folks who need these resources the most aren't able to access them or they're able to access them, but then the resources the resources are difficult to navigate. Um, and even when they are translated, for the most part, it seems like they're using Google translate. And so the translation, it makes it even more confusing. And so there have been times where uh, myself and uh, my team at the collaborative were helping folks with the direct services. And we're not even using the Vietnamese version, we're using the English version because it's easier to understand. Um, And for small business owners, it's um, providing some type of rent relief for them because, you know, um, California did provide rent relief for residential, but not necessarily for commercial. And so now a lot of, nail salon owners, you know, are going back to work and their salons are reopened, but they have this massive debt from the back rent and the loans they have borrowed that they have to pay back. Um, and so, you know, what our mother making now? It's going towards that, and so there needs there needs to be help because um, even when the pandemic is hopefully long and gone, um, these small businesses will be having these like um, be experience these long term impacts, you know, for years to come.
3: Hmm. an organizing manager for California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative. Thank you, Lucero. E. Herrera, Senior Research Analyst for UCLA Labor Center, thank you. They are co-authors of the recent report, Reopening During COVID-19, The Experience of Nail Salon Workers and Owners in California, which surveyed some 200 nail salon workers and owners, and shed light on the impacts and the financial fragility of workers and owners alike. And my thanks to Leanne Truong, owner of Leanne Nails in Alameda. Thanks to Susan Britton for producing today's segment, and to our listeners for their questions and comments. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim.